Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. Walk your walk your life with integrity, whether someone's looking or not. And, and your integrity is not the integrity that you've learned from the world or learned from your buddy. Your integrity that you should be walking is God's integrity. Right. And now, here's your hosts... Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 45th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corson. Alongside my co-host, Bjorn Webb, we're so honored to have you today for a third and final week of our sports and clothing series featuring Eric Chubai. For this week's episode on Flying Solo, Bjorn will join me at the end of the episode for our reflection. If you're not familiar with Eric Chubai, he's also my boss at my other part-time job that I have at Wingfoot Screen Printing. But what was fun about this episode is I got to sit down with Eric in person at the print shop that I work at in Cheektowaga, New York. And you're going to hear construction trucks a little bit in the background, not too loud, but it was cool just to sit down with him and have this conversation. Eric Chubai is a Christ follower, business owner, coach, elected official, husband, and dad. He takes each of these roles seriously and knows how God has placed him specifically in each one for a reason. As a former New York State High School track and field state champion, he went on to become an NCAA Division I track and cross country athlete at the University of Buffalo. Eric honed his leadership on the track field and in the classroom. Graduating at the top of his collegiate class, he decided to turn his attention to a startup custom apparel business and coaching younger athletes. In the almost 20 years since graduating from college, Eric has served his employees, young athletes, Christian youth, his community, and family, and he works to bring the joy of Christ that is instilled in him to those he touches every day. Guys, you are in for, tr- for a treat. This this was such a fun interview that I got to do with him. And if you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. But what we've loved out of this podcast is getting to hear people's stories. Everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. The three G's are so important in life, in leadership, in our daily walk with Christ. But you as the listener, you have a story. You matter. We've interviewed professional athletes to high school athletes, to leaders, to business owners. Because everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. And it's so cool to see how sports and faith intertwine in our daily walks, wherever we're at. So you guys are in for a treat for this episode. I'm so excited for it. And before we dive in, I highly recommend to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you really enjoyed today's episode, go and share it with a friend and pass it on. That would mean a lot for us. And that would be an encouragement to someone else, maybe they're struggling with where they're at right now, go pass it along with somebody. And before we dive in, make sure to check us out on social at Watermark Sports, on Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's a little bit different. It's at Sweat Room Pod. And if you did not get your notes app out on your phone or jot some some thoughts down, maybe it's a word, a sentence, maybe it's a whole page of, of reflection points. But if you really missed out on writing some notes down, we have a blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. You can check us out there. We'd love to hear your feedback and any way that we can serve you in this podcast as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with Eric Chubai. We want to welcome to the SWAT room, Eric Chubai. Eric, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. This is great. I'm uh, potentially honored to be here. 
<laughs> well, this is kind of fun because I'm usually working with you during the week, but now I get to interview you. This is true. This is good. Usually, I'm getting ready to fire you, and you could fire me yes. off, of the, off the podcast. That's I can great. edit you out now, so the power has switched a little bit. I love it. <laughs> well, so I know you're a big Bills fan. How are, you, how are you feeling about the future of the Bills? How'd you feel about this season? I mean, I've... I've I've loved being in McDermott since they came in. Mm. So definitely, you know, they have the, the trust the process mantra. Yeah. Um, I definitely have. I bought in from the beginning because as a as an athlete myself that walked through, you know, competition on a higher level not just you know hey i was on a i was on a little league team or right you know when you're actually an athlete that i was never paid to be an athlete but when you're on a scholarship in college like you're kind of being paid to be an athlete so right it's a total different idea and a mindset when you have to go out there or you know you're not you're not just doing it for the love of the game right you're doing it because you have to be there sometimes right and um those guys when they when they came in the culture that they set and the culture that they started is the kind of culture that an athlete wants to be part of mm. and you could see from the beginning um like you know we'd have i've got you know friends who are who are 60 years old and have been longtime bills fans and right. we're a little bit eerie or leery about <laughs> how how things were progressing because we had so many bad coaches so many bad oh, for so long um just not necessarily bad coaches but wrong fits right guys that were doing things you know not the way that we needed to be doing them in, in buffalo um and when they when they came in and and set the tone that they set i was like bought in day one um wow. day one you just as well as i mean it, the first year as you watched what happened sure. you can you kind of i trusted them right you know you you're you're building a program that people want to be at mm. and sometimes that long extended growth and they've done it quick yeah but um there's being a little bit slow with the process and getting it getting a culture change the way that you want to and not just coming in and you know tearing things apart like coming in grabbing the people who were here like the guys that were on the team if you didn't buy in you you left but i don't think anybody left kicking and screaming and fighting like i hate these guys right like i think you respect them when you leave a healthy respect a healthy respect and 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 not every leader is for every person who is being led Mm. yeah um but loved them um have been super on board with how they've done things and (laughs) and we're seeing that we're seeing the benefits of what people who love being in a place how it motivates them to be better yeah um there's so much like i mean again i i've got buddies we talked about sammy watkins and how sammy is like <laughs> the, the guy ha- has all the ability in the world he's obviously we saw last year he's somewhat of a nutcase right yeah he's but, wild but like the the mindset of an injured athlete is tough like it's tough yeah and like we'd have guys in buffalo be like you're making millions of dollars just get out there and do it well <laughs> at some point the millions of dollars doesn't mean anything when you're not motivated right and when you're when there's something holding you back and and they have they have noticed those things they haven't held on the guys that they shouldn't hold on to yeah they if 
they motivate guys, they keep them. If or you know, if a guy doesn't want to be here, they let him walk. Yeah. But yeah, I agree though. I've totally seen the culture change, and I'm sure being a Bills fan for much longer than I've been alive, you've seen the transition of that. So it's it's cool. I'm excited for this. And this year was just surreal. Yeah. To me, like watching games and just waiting for them to collapse and then I'm not collapsing. Like, I, know. I just sat there like, this is great. I love it. So, yeah, the, so one last Bill's question, and I know you and I talked to Josh Allen a little bit. I want to know publicly, your public opinion, is he the guy? Is he the future for the Bills? Are you sold on him? I'm not sold that he's going to be Jim Kelly and be the to 10 year rock that builds our franchise mm. it doesn't mean he's not going to be though mm. I think I think too many guys have got jumped people jump on a one year a great for like single year yeah I mean Chicago Mitch, Mitch. Trubisky had a great year in his second was his second year right right like everyone thought he was a stud and then next year he was like mm-hmm. a disaster and he was getting benched yeah um, I think Allen's developed in a different way than that yeah um, um, I, I think he. I think he's. He's got the motivation. If, again, most of it's motivation. So, if he has the motivation to keep pressing, I think he has the ability to be potentially a Jim Kelly or more than a Jim Kelly in sure. Buffalo. Um, if he's not motivated and and at some point kind of loses that edge, yeah. The NFL is the best players in the world. Yeah, like you, you don't you don't throw to like in college you don't throw to a receiver you throw to a spot. Right. You, I mean, to me that's what makes an NFL quarterback. You're throwing the ball, <laughs> and you need to be on the same page as the right. dude who's four steps from his out route when you throw the ball, yeah. knowing that he's going to be there when he shows up. That you know <laughs> when the ball shows up. So right. I think um, if he's if if he's got the motivation to be the best that he can be. Yeah. Sky's the limit for him. Yeah, so. I agree. I, I'm, I'm excited just for the future of the Bills, and yeah. we'll see how Josh Allen progresses. But what a leap from I'll, year two to year three, even year one, it was disastrous. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, and I, t- I think I think this sums it up in a, in a way that, like, as a dad, I sat with my son. My son loves the Bills. Yeah. And tell um, listeners, how old is your son? Jackson is 11, but he has been a no holds barred barred Bills fan since he was probably eight. Hmm. So, I mean, he didn't, he wouldn't watch a football game with me. He was, it was boring. And one day I had a bunch of guys over for a, uh, for a, I think it was a Thursday night game. A bunch okay. of, a bunch of the youth leaders that I was would lead with at church. Sure. And uh, he just freaked out that he didn't want to go to bed. It was a school night. He was like, <laughs> he was in like second grade. Right. And he had the biggest temper tantrum for like the whole first half. I had to basically, I had to like go into his room and like light him up multiple times. <laughs> and like just, he was uncontrollable in terms of just wanting to be out watching the game. And I finally told him, I was like, Jackson, if you want to be a Bills fan, you have every opportunity to be a Bills fan. Every single game you can sit and watch with me. Yeah. But don't make it the day that you want to stay up. And <laughs> like, yeah. if you want to be a Bills fan, start start next week. <laughs> and literally, 
he just took to it. I don't know what happened, but he became like the biggest Bills fan. Right? And we have some amazing experiences watching the games together. And, yeah. But I told him if his childhood with the Bills is what mine was when they went to the four Super Bowls and were as good as they were, yeah. he's going to have a great childhood like as a as a Bills fan. Oh, so yeah. And, and that's the goal. Got to thank Sean for that. So, and oh, no doubt. I, I, I don't know if I told you this, but the first time I ever went to Bills Stadium is when we dropped off shirts. We printed shirts for a high school state championship. Or, no, I think it was a playoff game. It was a, it was the sectional championships in Western New York. Yeah, so that was my, kind of my first experience. Was like we were dropping off shirts at Bill Stadium. So I was like, wow, this is. And that was a cool experience. Right? It was a great experience. What so. did, no, I'm going to turn this out. <laughs> Your first experience at it was New Era Field at that point. Now it's Bill Stadium. Yeah, now right? it's Bill Stadium. What did you, what did you get to do in that first day, first experience? Got to run on the field. It was great. We were on the field. Then what happened? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. After Where did that. we go after the field? Oh, we went inside the facility. Yes. Yeah. That was great. And we yeah. got to talk with your friend. Corey Reblin. Yes. Corey's, a, Corey's one of the equipment managers for the Bills. So he, he I called him up and he gave us a little tour of the equipment room. And <laughs> like, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. great. So now I want to transition a little about you and kind of your journey. You're a huge runner and you ran cross country and track at the University of Buffalo, also known as UB around here. Yeah. So how'd you end up running at UB? So I was... Do we want to go way back, like to what started started me in running? Yeah, let's. let's when hear. I was a little kid, I just always wanted to be faster than everybody. Okay. And there was like I would run around my yard like 50 times just to prove to myself that I could do it. Yeah. So and my yard's small, but like sure. as a little kid, you're like I can do it 50 times. Right. So I always had this motivation that if I that. It was something with racing and being fast. Mm-hmm. And when I was little, I thought it was going to be a sprinter because who doesn't want who wants to be a distance runner <laughs> when you can run 100 meters and be done, right? Sure. But um, as I as I got older. In middle school, I was always the fastest. We always had like a, a race at the end of the year for a half mile, and I always won the half mile in my grade. Yeah. And we had a fifth and sixth grade race where I had um, I was a fifth grader and I came in second in all the fifth and sixth grade for a mile race. But that had that was run by our high school cross country coach. Wow. So he came down to the middle school, ran this race, and they did it for a recruiting tool. But he ended up being he's he's like an amazing family friend now um but he was he's a little bit younger than my dad but and my dad was a really good athlete in high school um and so there was a there was a long time friendship there that got rekindled when i started running so my coach and my dad um, knew each other had a lot of a lot in common my dad actually um was good friends with his wife through high school oh wow um but so i started in seventh grade was the first time i could run competitively for our school okay and our first race ever like you know i was just a kid that came out and ran during practice we didn't do any extra training we didn't came out ran in practice um first meet ever i was there was probably 13 or 14 teams there for an invitation it was a mile and a half race and i just didn't want to lose so i won it like i won wow so it was a seventh and eighth grade race i was a seventh grader won my first race that year we had nine races in our in on our schedule and i run one seven of them wow so um right then and there like that showed i had the ability the talent and the drive 
without doing a lot of the work. Yeah. Well, as you get older, you got to do a lot of the work. To, it just doesn't come, right. you know, as easy. Naturally. So um, it took me. It took me a little bit, a little while. Um, by the time I was a junior. I hadn't done track. I did track in seventh grade, and then didn't do it again until my junior year. I ran cross country throughout, um, and then I played basketball. Like I loved basketball. Yeah, it's a great um, sport. So my junior year, uh, we got a new coach at our school, and he remembered me. He was coaching at a different school. He remembered me when I was in seventh grade, wow. and how good I was in seventh grade. And he's like, "Dude, you got to come out for the team." And it took him a little while. I finally got out on the track wow. team. And, and this is your junior year. My junior year in high school. So wow. it was the first time I, I ran track. Um, cross country, I was running all along, but we didn't, like, again, yeah. I just went to practice. I did my thing, and I was I was an okay runner. Like, yeah, stay I was, in shape. Yeah, I was, I, was a, I was a mediocre runner because I didn't put any time in, really. Sure. Um, so at the end of the day, my, like, first week of outdoor track – coach that got me on the track team was not working with me that day and I had another coach that I mean honestly I didn't really get along with super well we didn't click sure um, but he was he was quote a distance guy and went <laughs> running with us one day yeah so I'm, I'm like a joker like I love to have fun when I was in high school sometimes I didn't know how to shut my mouth it <laughs> what? was I, I could never see that <laughs> it was never like it was never bad right sure. it's all, but I I was just like I ran my mouth constantly so we got back from a run like week one and he we were stretching just like me and my buddies the four four distance runners yeah. and the coach and we were stretching having fun and like he wanted me to be quiet while we were stretching and i'm like bro like this is ridiculous <laughs> and he he looked at me and he, he said your attitude and the fact that you can't like you run your mouth and i wasn't i wasn't even like running my mouth against him like it was just me talking yeah you're never going to get anywhere mm. and nobody's ever going to want you because of the way you, the way like you just won't shut up. Wow. How'd you take that? I took that as motivation. And I said, I'm going to shove it in this dude's face <laughs> that what he's like, Wow. I, like, and it wasn't, it was just an interesting difference in personality. Yeah. It wasn't that he was being, um, you know, really a jerk. A, I mean, he, he's a little bit of a jerk, but <laughs> Can I say this on this podcast? Yeah, that's he's a, fine. He's a little bit of a jerk. Sure. But um, honestly, I, he wasn't even trying to motivate me. He was just frustrated that I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. But mm. that negative motivation totally positively motivated me. And every time I got to a point – now, this is my junior year. So by my senior year, um, it was only two years of track and a bunch of cross country – and a season of cross country in between. Yeah. Um, but he – motivated me to say I'm going to prove him wrong hmm. and it might it's just a stupid thing that somebody says that sometimes can motivate you to go to the highest limits right so um you know I always when I got into high school I looked at the record board and said you know hey I, I knew the guy that had our two mile record the guy that had our one mile record and these are guys that the records were like 10 and 15 years old wow. 15 20 years old something like that um so I looked at those and said I'd love to have those records yeah so that was another motivator but by the time I 
by the time I what specific records mile to mile mm. so by the time I graduated so I had my first year in track second I, I ran my first summer like we trained all summer long went to a running camp in the sure. summer um, came out in cross country Buffalo News always put out a top 10 returning runners and nobody knew who I was mm. and that motivated me so the first meet I came in third in our first meet which is a big invitational yeah. and then through the year I just didn't want those guys beat me <laughs> so by the end of the year I had come in fifth place in New York State wow. in our in our class size sure so there were four classes in public high school uh, or three classes I'm sorry there were three classes back then in public high school um track and cross country and track and field and um I came in fifth in the state cross country meet yeah um started getting recruited like the next week by division one colleges wow. so I, I actually started basketball two weeks late because i had to i was continually running in state championships there's sure. there two state championships the second one was a huge federation state championship that was up a hill down a hill <laughs> and i wasn't used to that so i was in like 20th place at the top of the hill like ready to go after the win wow and then started doing the backstroke through the pack on uh, the way on the way the, down the slow phase yeah so i, I got like 80th in that race um, um but then started basketball and we like day one of basketball after my teammates had been practicing for like two weeks already sure the athletic director walked in with a recruiting letter from virginia tech wow. and i'm like i i think i need to stop playing basketball if i'm wow. focusing on running like so i ran indoor track um and then by the end of outdoor track, I was a state champion in the mile. Wow. So, Do you remember what you ran? I ran 421 at state. Oh, my God. And that was, we had, again, this states was a three-class three, three state meet. Yeah. So I don't remember what I was total. I was somewhere between 7th and 11th if you put all the times together. Sure, but 421 is... But at the end of the day, I, the, I won the race that I was in, and I couldn't, like, I could have run faster, but there was nobody in front of me to go chase. Wow. It was... Um, so I had won that and our relay team for the four by eight came in fifth in the state wow. and nobody even knew who we were. So like, that's cool. It was just bringing out, like I, I did what I did, but we also bring the team along. Sure. And, and New York state's big, New York state's big and New York state's fast. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you look at a lot of the states, um, even in cross country, if you're into high school cross country, New York state has its own national qualifier. All the other ones are regional qualifiers. Mm. Um, Potentially, California has their own, but basically, everything is like a five to ten state region that's qualifying for the national meet cross country. Sure. And New York State has their own. Yeah. Um, and the other, the Northeast region comes to the New York State meet to run a regional race, wow. and New York State has their own race because it's so competitive. Interesting. Um, so yeah, it's and I think the internet has done a huge service to for kids understanding what's going on around the state and motivating them each other. Sure. Like before it was when I ran, you didn't know what was going on around the state. Right. You saw the kids at the state meet, heard what their what their qualifying time was, and you're like, well, I got to beat that. Yeah. But now kids can see two hours after a meet what everyone else in the state or the country has done. Sure. So it's very, I think it's very motivating to what what's happening in the in the sport. Sure. So for our listeners outside of Buffalo, New York, you went to high school just around Buffalo, correct? Yep. JFK, which was were were the first school district outside of the city limits. In, you know, just east of Buffalo. Very cool. So, how did you filter out 
places like Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, and I'm sure other colleges called you out, and you ended up at UB. How'd you end up there? So at that point, I mean, basically, my dad looked at me and said, "If you go to UB, you're getting your you're getting everything paid for. If you go somewhere else, you're paying for it yourself." <laughs> Did they offer so, you full ride? Nobody. Well, I had I had some um, Catholic D1 programs. I had places that were going to give me a whole lot more money than UB was going to give me. Hmm. But at that point, UB was thirty five hundred dollars a year to go to. That's unbelievable. So I got. And when was your first year of college? What year? Nineteen ninety seven. Hmm. So if it makes you feel better, I was born ninety six. Yes. <laughs> I was a champion. The champ. Well, you were just a champion. <laughs> in Thirty diapers. diapers. Thirty yeah. in diapers. Um, yeah. So that was. I mean, things have changed a lot, but it was so cheap. Yeah. My dad basically said, "We, you can walk out of out of college with zero debt." I stayed at home. I lived at home. Wow. Um, zero debt, and I'll get, like I'll make sure you have a car to go everywhere you need to go. That's awesome. Um, That's and a deal. it was really frustrating for me in a way as a immature kid who just wanted to get away and do something really cool yeah um but now and really after college i realized like that was the greatest gift that they could give me Mm. in terms of financial stability i never had a college loan to pay until i got married and my wife stiffed me (laughs) (laughs) well that's fine but she's great so i paid it off very not even begrudgingly i paid it off because i mean it was like it was like my dowry it was like my dowry i had to wait was it dowry is that going the other way i don't know i'm not sure Whatever the case was, I had to pay off for college. Okay. But yeah. it's, it's been great. Okay, that's awesome. So you also broke a school record when you were at UB. So What record was that, and what was your time? So I broke multiple school records. Oh, I'm sorry. Multiple school records. So that's awesome. Really, the record that I wanted is the one that I didn't get. For our listeners who can't see him, he's totally flexing right now. He's I'm, I'm totally kidding. Well, <laughs> it's hard not to flex when you're as big as me. Um, <laughs> so... The record is in high school. I did get those two records. Okay. So I, I still hold the mile and two mile record at my high school. Yeah. Um, in college, I was on multiple relay records. So we had indoor track. We had the four by eight record. Wow. Um, I don't think I was on the DMR in indoor track. Sure. Um, I had the mile record in indoor track, and I, I broke it a few times. Wow. Um, nothing. It was not amazing. Like, our, our mile record, my mile record in college was not that much better than what my mile record was in high school. Wow. Um, I think I... Somewhere between 418 and 420, but that didn't even matter to me hmm. because uh, the outdoor records were the ones that I really wanted. Um, we had... I was on the, I think I was on the four by eight record holder record team in outdoor. And I believe the DMR in outdoor, wow. um, but I wanted a 1500 meter record. I'm sure. And that was, that had been, I graduated in 2002 and that was a record from like the early eighties. Wow. Um, and the record holder actually recruited me. He was a, he was a division three coach. Um, <laughs> and he recruited me while I was getting, you know, as a high school senior and like a division three program, it couldn't, I, the amount that I was going to pay at UB with some scholarship, they couldn't touch it. Sure. So, um, whatever the case, I got down to 350 point, it was like 350.25 or something like that wow. was the school record. And I ran 350.5 or 350.7. <laughs> 
in a trial, like if you don't know track and field, like a lot of times in a big meet, you have to run a trial and then the next day you come back for a final. So you, so you start with maybe 20 guys on the start list and you get down to like an eight, eight person final in two races. Sure. And I was in sick, I was in sick shape. Um, (laughs) and I was flying down this, the finish straight. I was in third place and you just needed to be top two to automatically qualify. Mm. And I had so much left. I just like cruised in to make sure I was in second place because I was ready to crush the school record, like try to win our conference meet the next, the next day. And I'm run Like I, I missed our school record by less than half a second. Oh, that sucks. And I had all the energy in the tank to blow it. Like I could have, I could have beat it by probably a second. Cause uh-huh. I like, I was it's cruising. Great. Like, you know, when you have it and you know, when you don't, mm. um, and my teammates were screaming at me and I just, everybody was totally, I was so in the zone. I didn't hear anybody. Wow. So I missed the score record by a half second. Had the had the ability that day to to beat it, and um, I had an ankle injury that I was kind of nursing all year. And right after the race, once I stopped, I realized like running that hard like kind of blew that injury out. Uh, so I I couldn't even warm up the next day. Like I warmed up on a bicycle in the training room and then went out on the track and tried to tried to win the race. And wow. it just didn't go real well. So is, do any of your school records hold today? No. I don't have any school records there anymore, but wow. what's cool is like that, that 1500 meter time is still fifth all time. That's and I, cool. Like UB was growing as a better, a better track team. Yeah. You know, as I would, since I've been there. So the fact that I would, I could have, if I just would have ran a little faster that day, <laughs> there's a, like, you can always say I would have, could have, should have. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty cool to be number two all time for like 10 years Sure. and still be sitting number five all time at a division one college, mm. you know, that, um, um, it's pretty cool. That's so. that's very cool. So, well, right now you're a part of our sports and clothing series, and in a little bit we'll hear a little of how you ended up starting Wingfoot Screen Printing, and a little of that. But I, I'd love to know we're a sports and faith podcast. I'd love to know just a little of your testimony. This is something I this is something I, I really don't know prior, right. which is kind of cool. So it's like it's this, like opening up a gift. <laughs> <laughs> opening up a gift on air. So yeah, how did you come to know Christ? And yeah. I, So my parents just leave there. My parents were both Christians. Um, My mom having my mom. My dad was more quiet with his faith. Mm. My mom was very. um, I was a mama's boy growing up, like no (laughs) doubt. Like loved playing sports with my dad, but like if it was, if it was on a Saturday, dad going out and you know grabbing a wrench and fixing something on the car, and mom in the house vacuuming. Like I was in vacuuming with my mom, and my brothers were out working with my dad. Yeah. but just my mom helped me really helped me um, take my take a faith that you know a little kid is just trying to figure out and make it my own as a um, as a faith that really stuck in my heart but when I was when I was three years old um, I just I had this memory and I didn't even I didn't know exactly when it happened but I always had this memory growing up that I remember sitting in my kitchen window and my mom, taking me through the sinner's prayer at three and you remember well, that? i didn't know when it was okay i knew i was little that's wow. all i knew and i really think when that happened i always remembered it and 
although I didn't understand salvation, I didn't understand God's gift, I didn't understand everything, I feel like at that moment God sealed my heart. Because hmm. when I was, I think I was in college, I said to my mom, Mom, do you remember when I was little one day, like maybe it was in the kitchen window, I don't remember, but me praying to receive Christ when I was little. And she goes, you remembered that? Like totally floored. Because I mean, I was like probably almost 20 years old at that point. It's like 17 years later. She said, I specifically remember that happening because I called it. My mom's from Kansas. Hmm. She said, I called my grandmother in Kansas. Hmm. And I said, can a three-year-old be saved? Because he just prayed that. And... You know, is it possible? So, um, and I think I think the whole thing was spurred by me asking her a question when I was little, sure. and her then saying, "Well, you can do it now." And um, so, I really believe after having that conversation that my my faith was sealed at three years old. Mm-hmm. Growing up, then you have a lot to learn and a lot to work through, and I really feel like at that age, like. As you're growing, growing up in the world, Satan's trying to do everything he can to snuff that out. Right. Um, so, I like I don't have a testimony that's like hey, you know I did you know, drugs, I, <laughs> drugs. I was, you know I was I drank a lot in high school and got into you know an accident. No, like honestly, I God kept me from all of the pitfalls that can happen while you're growing up, mm-hmm. and I learned and I grew and. Um, always had a strong faith in that like if you believe that faith can be a spiritual gift I think that is potentially the greatest spiritual gift that I have had in my life is the idea that my faith it's been very hard to shake it Um, and even learning and looking into the things that could potentially shake someone's faith. Um, I can only think of one time in my life where I literally said like, is, is this all fake? And am I living this like, you know, not a lie, but you know, am I working too hard for something that isn't true? Yeah. Um, and it was a short fleeting, probably little, maybe three week period a couple of years ago that I took it to some mentor type people. And they were like, listen, you know, they worked me through it really quickly. And I came out of the, those thought processes. Sure. But, um, honestly, like it, it's been God's provision throughout. And mm. my, all of my journey is connected in with my faith. So like when I was, when I was at the top of running, it was the thing that motivated me was motivated me even during a race was Christ. Um, guys would guys would get super pumped up, you know, listening to crazy music and like bouncing around. And sure. I always got pumped up by settling down and getting into like a almost like a praise praise worship environment where I would during college I would listen to praise music before before getting up to warm up for a race because when you're a, when you're a high level runner you got to be warming up an hour plus before your race even sure. if you're running a mile so an hour and a half two hours before a race I would I would go find a quiet corner and throw my headphones on and just listen to praise music and get myself in a in a mood and then um really focus and during a race like if i had pain that that i didn't know if i could continue on at the pace because really at that level it's who can deal with more pain right it's you're nobody nobody feels good 
no matter how good you look running, because I looked good running. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> look real good. I look yeah. good. The calves, running. all of it. The short but shorts. It was just, I mean, like a like an efficient gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> but like, honestly. No matter how good someone looks running, they are running through pain if you're running at that level. Mm. Um, so I would literally get into races, and over and over in my head, I can do all things through Christ. Mm. Like I can do all like Philippians four thirteen, and just praying it while I'm running. And it, sometimes I would just over and over and over for for the last five minutes of a race, mm. just get my mind onto Christ and off of what was going on. Sure. And you do that until the finish line. I love and that. And, you know, whatever, whatever after, like you, it's, it was a amazing distraction mm. that was also, again, like I'm, I'm not praying that the other guy in front of me faults so that I can go ahead of him. Like sure. I'm just praying for all the strength that I can have today to be the best that I can be. And if that, whatever that means, that means, yeah. um, but at the end of the day, like my faith and my athletic career went hand in hand. Very cool. Well, I, I love hearing just a little of your testimony too, of just, I think so many times we get as a culture enamored with, oh, this is my crazy testimony that I had. And I think some people hype it up a little more than it should be. And, and some people have come from really tough and hard backgrounds and Christ has really redeemed that and brought them out. But what, what I love about your story is it's the simple day by day process of, Hey, this is God carried me through this, this yep. whole time. And I I prayed this as a kid, and I love it because you're like, hey, I was saved at three. For me, I there's, I, I don't know if I was saved at three, and that's like a theology question where yeah. almost where it's so in-depth, but it's that you continue just to walk alongside with Christ. Yeah, and I think it, like in a, in a deeper moment, I think a lot of somebody who who had a faith, like has a faith like mine that um, basically always had faith in some way. Like, obviously I didn't, if I, you don't, you don't come out and you're safe, right? Like you have to make a decision somewhere along the line, but you almost get a pride about yourself that, well, I never had to deal with that or, Hey, I never made that mistake. And I never, and I think I had a, I had a Christian pride that was, that wasn't awesome, um, for me. And the way that I thought, not necessarily the way I treated people, the way I thought of myself in a higher level because I didn't go through all that stuff. Sure. Um, and after college at some point, I might even been married. It might have been, I think it was in the first couple of years of marriage because my wife has a lot of the, like our stories are very similar um, in, in that she grew up, her father was a pastor and she knew Christ from a very early age. Um, but we were talking one, one day and I think we both realized that there's a pride that you can get a negative like a negative like prideful pride yeah when you almost think you're better than others because you didn't do this do some of those yeah, things do that and i think at the same moment we both realized that it was christ and only christ and not us that allowed those things to happen mm. um and with that it almost it gave me a, a new humility about my faith. That was an amazing humility, like a like just being enamored with how great God is and how little I would be without Him. Mm. Um, 
Um, and I, I think that was a, that was some of a turning point in my adult life sure. of understanding truly God's truths and not just, I was, I was this because sure. I didn't, you know, sure. no, that's really good. So you mentioned a little bit about how sports and your, uh, just even when you were running at UB and just how your faith really went together with that we often ask is how do you, how do you how do you see sports and faith go together we ask that pretty pretty openly on this podcast so I want to ask you that how do you, how do you see sports and faith go together I think for a for a Christian um, there's no better connection between in faith you're trying to maximal maximally perform in your everyday walk hmm. And somebody who has a strong faith, a sanctified faith, a you are trying to be a professional, not a professional Christian, but like you're trying to be a day to day rock star of the Christian faith if you've got your stuff together. Sure. And it's the same with athletics. Like you, you want to be the champion, right? Mm-hmm. So you're those, those motivations and what, what you're striving for are, you know, as an athlete, you're tri- striving for the perfect performance. Mm-hmm. Whereas as a Christian, you're kind of striving for the perfect performance. Mm-hmm. It's just an everyday walk or an athletic endeavor. Sure. Yeah. It's continue just to be in that race. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's so good. So for you, you're also a cross country coach. You're at one point Erie County coach of the year. Is that correct? That, that is, I was your ECIC. So Erie County interscholastic <laughs> conference girls cross country coach of the year. Wow. I had coached boys. I coached girls when I started coaching. Then I moved over to in cross country. I moved over to took over both the boys and girls team. Wow. Um, and I was coaching both the boys and girls when I won the girls, um, the girls coach of the year. So I'm pretty familiar with cross country myself because my mom, she has a cross country background. Both my parents are runners, but she's a cross country coach herself. But our listeners probably don't necessarily understand the cross country world. What would you say it's like being a coach, coaching cross country? It is. I mean, you're trying to take kids and most kids aren't runners. Sure. You're trying to take them and get them to maximally perform at a three-mile race. Like, I mean, a lot of listeners won't run three miles in the next, you know, two months. Let well, alone, you could today. <laughs> Noah will. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> I, I probably will. <laughs> um, it's it's really it's just a, it's a different battle. It's not a you know I when I was younger in high school my kids or my my kids my friends used to joke around that like cross country is not a sport. Well, it's not a ball sport, right? But right. it is one of the most grueling events that you can put yourself through, and most people don't want to do it because it's grueling. Right. Um, and even if it even if you're not good at it, try to run out go out and run three miles and not have it be grueling. Right. <laughs> actually, the faster you are, the better it is because you get done quicker. Right. Um, so I actually my degree in college was exercise science. Mm. So I got to when I coached my exercise science degree, I understood the physiology and the um, the science behind what actually makes someone maximally perform. Sure. Um, and then as a runner and and a Christ follower, you 
one, my experiences helped me to understand how to treat an athlete in terms of the mental motivation. But also my faith helped me to treat them like a like a important member of society of our little society. Sure. Um, and my biggest thing was always to take I wanted the slowest kid on the team to feel just as empowered mm. and just as important to the team as the fastest kid on the team. Sure. And um, I don't know if I how well of a job I did at that, mm. but that was always my goal. Sure. Um, and you know when I when I went out, I was just as excited for the kid that came out and ran 32 minutes the first race and got down to 27 minutes in his last race sure. as I was for the kid that came out at 17 and made it down to 1630. Very cool. Like, um, and I... We, we built a program while I was there of kids that I didn't work in the school. So the kids that wanted to run or friends of kids that wanted to run were the kids that came out. Right. I didn't have teachers that were helping me recruit. I didn't have like running's not the, it's not the glamor sport. It's not. It's <laughs> so not being in the school is really tough to get kids out. But sure. my goal was to get every kid, every kid that came out and every kid that we could get out to enjoy and really take something away for life mm. that they could do it um and i had a great it was it was great i actually had a kid a couple years ago come into my shop he drove to my shop yeah and apologized to me for how he treated me when i coached him wow and he was one of the kids that like conviction i love conviction it. but like he was a kid that he was tough to deal with mm. and um he was very immature in high school which it's a high school kid like mm -hmm. most most kids are normal but he was exceptionally <laughs> immature in some ways um and he actually came to faith at at one point wow and i i was a i was in a public school but i did not like we did things like a proverb of the day mm, cool so i would and it wasn't every every season but some seasons when i sensed it was good and we i would do a proverb of the day and i would literally read a proverb to the kids mm. and i didn't say it was a proverb from the bible i didn't say like it was just the proverb of the day right and um I did a lot of, there were certain seasons where I really integrated my, my faith mm. vocally to the kids, Sure, never pushing what they should do, but, um, they knew where I, my athletes knew where I stood. Mm -hmm. And this kid came in like probably three or four years after he graduated, maybe five mm. was driving close to my shop, pulled in, came in. I'm like, Hey man, what's going on? You know, like, why are you here? You hated me. <laughs> and, uh, he sat down and he talked about about his faith and wow. he literally said i actually came here to apologize for how i treated you wow That's and so cool. it, was, it was like you know that little affirmation of like man you think that you're not what you're doing isn't sinking in and five years later the mm. kid remembered what happened the things that i said and it made an impact in his life that's so cool and just super super cool and i feel like that's really encouraging even just for some of our coaches that are listening is i think oftentimes i feel like anything in life you question of why am i doing this yeah. and i think that's very easy to to say as a coach but you kind of see the fruit of that even years later down the line you're like oh wow like the, i i did do something i, I yeah. It did matter. And it's hard. It's hard in this day and age to coach with conviction mm. with parents and kids and the um, I I've been coaching Mike Jackson's 
baseball, basketball, soccer. Yeah. Like we've, I've tried to be involved as much as I can. Coaching it up. And I've had parents not necessarily love everything that I've said to their kids. or mm. And you're learning, one, you're learning kids – Kids don't handle information the same way they did. Sure. So a way that a coach talked to me, I can't necessarily talk to a kid. Yeah. Um, but I've always tried to do things with truth, truth and love, right? Because mm-hmm. you can they say, well, I'm it. just telling the truth, and you can be hurting someone big jerk. time. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. So... There, there has been, and, and I'm constantly learning. So I had, I had one. I don't, it's the motto of our podcast. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know if you would call it a dust up, but like I had yeah. a situation with a parent um, a couple of years ago, that or about a year ago, that they didn't like the way I treated their son in terms of verbally trying to get him to understand hmm. that he was being a baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's being soft. <laughs> so I, I was probably a little bit hard on him. Yeah. Um, and it took a while for like I had to I had to process okay and I told the parent like I was a high school coach right so I might have been I was a little coach bit, of the year mom right <laughs> but I might have been a little bit too hard on your fourth grader <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day my heart was to get him to realize like he was actually the best athlete on our team or the best basketball player on our team sure and if you want to go somewhere you can't take I was the best kid on my fourth grade basketball team and make that the best kid on your senior you know on your varsity basketball team right and then think and you might be but when you need to make that step up to the next level if you want that next level you can't act that way and the only time you act that way is when you're lebron james and <laughs> tom brady tom Br- like you can at that point you're so good it doesn't really matter how you act yeah, people have to fall in line behind you totally but unless you're that good that, and that's point like that's one millionth of the sports population that's that good right that's always better no matter how you act no I, I love that and I think I think something about you and I, I can I haven't seen you coach but I know even just the people that have that you have coached one of the words that I think with you is intentional you're very intentional with each person that you you interact with I mean I even see that with with the people that come through the shop you interact with people differently it doesn't mean you change who you are but yeah. you're intentional with that person you know who they are and I, I think you summed it up well in terms of cross countries every every kid's a little different and you got to motivate them a little bit differently right. so yeah and, and motivation motivation's a key like yeah. I actually I mean we could talk about whatever and I'm just gonna be real <laughs> quick with this no that's good one of my favorite stories that I was reminded of a couple months ago I had an athlete who was not one of my better athletes they, like in cross country you have five guys that score right um, seven that can really compete in the scoring realm so you have five scores but if you have two kids that are really good your six and seven can displace the top five of other teams yeah. and push their score back sure. um but once you get past seven you basically don't matter right so i had a kid who was probably 10th ninth potentially moved up to seventh in a year <laughs> wow. um and he was just like a, he was just a great kid i love the kid but he was not a really great runner but he was one of those kids that dedicated himself every day and it was i just love like he was hard he was a funny kid like goofy just i loved him um 
there was a day at practice that he was just acting like some of the kids that weren't doing the right <laughs> thing, and he just joined in with them. And I pulled him aside. The other, I probably talked to everybody and let him know my expectation. And then they all went out, and he came around again. And I pulled him aside, and I looked at him, and, and I said, his name was Adam, and I said. Adam, I just I want to talk about what's happened, mm-hmm. and I always respected the kids. I always I said, "You tell me what's been going on." And he talked to me, and I said, "You know what?" He, he goes, "You're mad. You're you're mad at me, aren't you?" And I was like, "You know what, Adam? I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you at all." Mm-hmm. And he looked at me, goes, "Oh no." It's worse. You're disappointed, aren't you? Right? <laughs> and I was like, honestly, I'm not mad. Like, there's no reason for you to be mad. You're hurting yourself. Yeah. And you're hurting your teammates. At the end of the day, I, I, I almost got to, I, and I got to use this all the time in my own motivation. Coaches out there are trying to live their own athletic fantasy yeah. through their kids. It's true. And for me, I lived it. Like, I got, I was a Division One track athlete that was a multi-year captain of my team. Um, you know, school records, you know, didn't reach the pinnacle of what I thought I could have reached if I gave it my all, but I lived my athletic dream kind of, Yeah, I didn't need to do it anymore. I was helping other kids get to whatever their dream would be, whether it was running a 25 minute 5k when the best kids were running 16, Hmm. but that was the best that they could do. Um, or was it was getting them to the next level and running in college, Hmm. but it was just awesome that I didn't have to say, Hey man, this is disappointing. Like he looked at me, he knew me and he yeah. said, Oh coach, like I disappointed you, didn't I? And that hurt him because yeah. he knew that I cared for him. And it was just, I, one of my, one of my leadership and it's not a strategy. It's, I want to be a leader that those, and I, said, I actually said it on the screen printing podcast. The guy thought it was like, the dude was like, what are you like a cult leader? But like, you are, I, you're a cult leader, right? You're part of it. You're, you're marching with me. Um, Start the chance. But you've got, you've got leaders and coaches that want to, want to be the focal point yeah. and want to, and want to tell an athlete, listen, go knock, go, go take a hammer and run through, or, you know, knock through that wall or run through that wall and they're going to scare or be at the point of of um just a point that i'm going to make my athlete i'm going to tell them what to do and they're going to do it right i want to be the leader that says hey i need somebody to make it through that wall and have like all of my athletes raise their hand and say i want to do it for you yeah where you know you're it's a different approach it's a different approach and it's a it's a it's an approach that i never wanted my athletes to believe to believe that i got them there hmm. i wanted to believe that i gave them the tools so that they could get themselves sure. there so that if i wasn't present at you're something, equipping them I, I wanted to equip them so that if i wasn't present they felt just as confident as if i was present hmm. and really getting them and it's it's more it's more life uh, a story of how to be successful in life more so than being successful in our little endeavor that we were doing at that point and i never i never coached to make myself look good i coached to make my kids the best that they could be and that's another thing that i think when you go back to the bills Hmm. you don't see them walking around it comes from a full circle so if you treat your athletes right if you treat your employees right if you treat your family right 
they're going to step to the plate for you when you need them to step to the plate for you. Absolutely. Um, and it's they're going to be the best they can be in that. They're not just going to be doing it because they're going to be doing it because they want to. That's great. Um, and I that's to me that's the best way. And I think that's what I'm, I'm like making a little leap, but I. Christ was a servant leader, right? Christ didn't go out and, like, he quietly talked to the disciples. He didn't go out and march with parades and get on a loudspeaker and tell the world how he was going to be king. He quietly did his job and served those around him in his leadership and made them the best that they could be. And they didn't, the disciples didn't know what they were going to be until after Christ died. Right. Like they, they rose to the occasion afterwards. It was the tools that he equipped them with. It wasn't the words that he made them do it. Yeah. He equipped them to do it. And then their faith in him and their understanding and their love for him led them to act how they did to build the church. Mm. Wow, that was really good. Get on the pulpit next, huh? Listen, bro, I didn't prepare for this. Remember, I didn't that prepare good. for this. I know I you're good. That was good. So, I kind of just the last few questions. Obviously, I kind of mentioned earlier you're in the sports and clothing series right now, and you started a business. It's Wingfoot Screen Printing now. How did you get started with screen printing? And I'd love to like for our listeners to know what is screen printing. Some people are like, uh, what do you print? Like, what do you do? So, <laughs> So what is well let's let's go back to the beginning and then I'll kinda of explain. All right, as we let's go. go to the beginning. So in the begin in the beginning <laughs> Adam and Eve were naked in the garden. <laughs> And they sinned, and they needed to put on clothes. They only had leaves. But if they had me, they'd have sweet T-shirts. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, they. The I I was always interested in design. So in high yeah. school, I kind of had like a. You don't really have a major in high school, but I always took um, elective art classes. Yeah. So I had kind of like a minor in art in high school. Yeah. Um, just loved it. Always I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, and I drew like I I painted. I I did all sorts of things. But when I was a kid, I used to just love redrawing sports logos cool so i sat and one of my hobbies was to grab a sports logo and redraw let me guess your favorite the buffalo bills i mean back then there was no doubt that <laughs> here's the deal the bill stunk <laughs> when i was little little the bill stunk it took That's a little true. time so they were they were just building right yeah. so when i first started doing that i was a as a football fan i was actually a huge <laughs> san francisco 49ers fan already joe montana montana, montana roger craig jerry rice oh yeah um the goat. The, I mean, those guys. Those guys were. You know, you're you're magnetized to the best when you're little. Totally. And then the Bills actually, you know, did something. Started, and they were starting to build at that point. Yeah. And so I was always a Bills fan, but um, there's no doubt that that they're my team. But I think it was probably I probably drew like a 49ers logo first, <laughs> and then just started going to town. So, anyways, there was all that art stuff. I loved art. I loved designing. I loved um, I loved logos. Yeah. And um, in college, we didn't have any good gear, so we were we were a Division One AA school when I got there my first year, and then we moved up into the MAC to the Division One A. What it is now? My what it is now? My sophomore year, and um, so there wasn't there wasn't a ton of money in our athletic department. The money went to the football and the basketball team, and we got the residual. Sounds about right. And it's normal, right? Yeah. That's that's normal, and and yeah, that was the same thing with scholarship. Our our whole men's track and field program had, I believe it was three and a half full ride
five scholarships for the entire program this year. So, you know, they had to piece together little scholarships for all the guys coming in. Or, and the women's program was fully funded. The women's program, because of the way Title IX worked in women's sports and how the women's program was fully funded and had all the scholarships they needed, but the men's program was, um, and that's like a whole other discussion. Sure. But the men's program was always, we had to share all our scholarships with the football team, the basketball team, and then the other Division One sports. Sure. Um, so we didn't have a lot of money. We got one T-shirt, one pair of shorts, right. and a, a towel and a pair of socks. Wow. For that's what we were given for our year. It's so different now because D one is. Dude, it's different. It's so different. <laughs> it's now. so different. But that's all we were given, and we like you were treated like a D one athlete. So like we didn't have to do our own laundry. Like our, I mean, technically, if you wanted to, that's we had nice. a bag, we had a laundry bag. So yeah. whatever you fit in the laundry bag, they threw in the washer for you, sure and so. We we had our we call it team issue gear. We had one T-shirt, and you didn't get to pick what it was. It was just whatever they gave you for the year. So I started making iron-on transfer like from Walmart yeah. shirts that it weren't, they weren't necessarily even UB shirts. They were like they had a Bible verse on it and a winged foot, or you know something that I could wear at races. Sure. So um, I started a little. I had this little like square milers track club that <laughs> me and my buddy basically started. Sure. But I my village that I grew up in is a square mile. Wow. So I call it the square milers because I was a miler yeah. from a square mile. So I made a square milers t-shirt and I made like an Isaiah 4031 t-shirt. Cool. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll walk and not grow weary. They'll run and not grow faint. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. So it goes soaring. It goes soaring, running, walking. Yeah. Um, so that was the um, new Eric version. It just took a little while to get it out. Um, so literally, that that was my. That's what I like. That when I trained, when I when I was getting down, like I'd remember that verse. Um, and I made a T-shirt that had that on it. And I had a, a local coach that came and, and watched us run, and he knew a screen printer. And he said, hey, he was a single guy. He said, hey, you're, you kind of make these cool shirts. Are you interested in starting a screen printing company? I know a guy that is a screen printer a couple hours from here. We could learn how to do it, and we could start a business in my basement just for fun. Wow. And, um, and he had he had done some coaching with me. Like, I had known him. Sure. Um, so me, him, and another one of my teammates got together, and we just started this company making t-shirts cool. um so my last like year and a half two years of college i was i was running the business in my buddy's basement wow and he's like 10 years older than us um, but running the business in my buddy's basement starting to print shirts for different teams so we cool. printed shirts for our ub team um and then when i graduated i just i was i was looking to do something in the medical profession i had an exercise science degree that i was using for more of a pre-chiropractic or potentially med school type degree. Sure. Um, graduated very high in my class. Actually, my major, I was valedictorian in my major in college. Wow. Um, which you didn't know. You just think I'm an idiot, don't you? Do I that? know. I didn't think. <laughs> were you really? I did yeah. not know that. So at UB, I was the, I was the, in all of health-related undergraduate professions, I was the, I got the Outstanding Student Award. Oh, my so gosh. it was super, like, super <laughs> cool. Um, but I had those I things going for that. me, and I just, I said, like, I want to try to be my own boss. 
I want to try to make a difference in people's lives. And I want to, I'd like to build a business that can help other people facilitate their families and their lives. Sure. So still working towards that. Right. Um, but the, at the end of the day, I just said, I'm going to try this out. And if in a year or two it's not working, I'll go back to school. And worst case scenario, I become a doctor, right? But it's, I mean, it's, that's what got me, like the name of the business, Winged Foot Screen Printing. Like, yeah. I didn't know what to call it. I was a track runner. The Winged Foot is a track logo. Right. And it's, I should probably change the name at some point because Winged Foot Screen Printing is super long and tough to say. Do you think and, you will change it at some point? Uh, we might. I, I've really debated it. I just never locked in on a name that I loved and I just rolled with it. So what, um, what, what would you say a kind of a quick version of what screen printing is? So screen printing, and I do embroidery also, but that was an add-on. Yeah. But um, screen printing is basically the act of getting a logo inked onto anything. We do it on shirts and yeah. clothing, but um, you take, basically you create a stencil and you push ink through that stencil onto the garment or whatever substrate you want it on. Sure. Um, but it gets pretty, I mean, it's it's an art and a science all in one, and you see it when you're here. Oh, that, yeah. Like sometimes It's things, very different when you see it. Yeah, and sometimes things work really well, and uh. sometimes things don't work so well <laughs> as you're trying to get it. But right. at the end of the day, what you know? What I say at the shop typically is, a customer doesn't doesn't care how hard, how long, how um, you know tedious a process is. Yeah. They just want their end result to be good. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes for us, it's just taking that extra minute to take a deep breath, figure it out, and get it done. And and if a job takes three times as long as it should, at it, our job is to give the customer what they want. Sure. And I've always I've always had the the idea of I want my customer to open up their box or their bag or whatever they receive their goods in and say that's exactly what I wanted sure. and never question it. Well, let's let's give an example. Who are some notable clients that we've been printing for lately? Um, and maybe even the past that I don't even know about. Well, there. I mean, in the in the Christian community, we we print for a lot of churches in Western New York. Mm-hmm. So, um, and some of them we we print a lot of their stuff, and some of them we just print some of their stuff. Sure. Um, but you know, we have we just. I'm literally thinking geographically, like we've done some stuff up in Niagara County for some smaller churches up there. Um, we've been, we've done a lot of work with the chapel, yeah. um, a lot of work with kingdom bound. They're great partners yeah. um, in what we do. And, and again, I'm always, I'm not, I'm not trying to use my customers to get ahead. I'm trying to partner with my customers. So we all get ahead. Absolutely. Um, uh, Cornerstone up on Grand Island. We do some work for um, the chapel, Amherst Alliance church, um, the tabernacle we do um you were just on the news too we were just on the and this is just our <laughs> church clients like uh life yeah. church life church is a great client um we do a lot of stuff with life church um and we have we have some churches outside of the area whenever whenever we can work with um faith organizations we love it absolutely um we work with um a bunch of nonprofits. So like i said kingdom bound mm-hmm. um we've done a lot of work with them over the years we uh if, you, if you're in buffalo and you know let them laugh out loud like we, yeah. we've LOL. Let them LOL. Yep. We've done a, a ton of their merch throughout the years. Um, love, love those guys are good friends and love working with them. Um, and there's just a lot of organizations that are doing awesome things in the area that we've partnered with and, and do work for. So, um, 
that's that's always a growing a growing yeah. number. Um, in terms of cool clients, I'm trying to think. Um, probably one of the coolest stories, and this is like I was running a shop out of my house in the like I started in 2002. Yeah. And out of my parents' house, I should say, it wasn't <laughs> my house yet. I, I ended up Love buying it. it from them and keeping the business there when they, and they moved. Cool. Um, so you kicked them out. I kicked. I, literally, I kicked them out. <laughs> I did. And I owned the house while they hadn't quite closed on their house, so they were living in my house for a little bit. Nice, while. nice. Um, but. I got a call from the UCLA, like UCLA is one of the top athletic programs in the country. It's gone down a little bit yeah. in recent years, but like in the, in the early, I mean, really from the seventies to like mid two thousands, like they were one of the top athletic programs in the country. Right. Um, like from one sport, all, all sports combined. Sure. Um, I got a call from their women's soccer coach cause she found my website and I did an, I did a job really? for, the UCLA women's soccer team all the way in California all the way in California and I was living in my parents house in Buffalo <laughs> that <laughs> um, is awesome so that was just like it was a cool story you know yeah. it, was, um, it was super cool um, it's a cool moment there's been some other really cool clients and and again some of the some of the most amazing clients are the ones that nobody knows and you just yeah. build a relationship with and you know that you're you're helping them grow whatever they're doing right I, I think what's been fun and you can yell at me, and I can edit this out if you want, but <laughs> I, I think what was fun is the last few months is, you know, the Bills were rocking it, and we, we were cranking out shirts left and right with, the, like, Store 716 and places like BFLO, yep. and the Bills work alongside BFLO with a yep. lot of it, so if you're wearing a Bills shirt or something that says along, I don't know, along the Buffalo Bills guidelines, you're probably, it probably came from us. It might have. It might have. So, the, I mean, the Bills were... I, our whole industry got kind of decimated in, yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff we do is events. A lot of the stuff we do is churches. A lot of stuff we do is schools and everything got shut down. Right. So behind, we, yeah. you know, we, we took a really big hit in the beginning there um, when COVID started and God was faithful. Like he was amazing. We, we took on some new clients, um, more retail clients, some, some other clients came, um, yeah. but we got a couple retail clients that, you know, nobody knows we do the printing. Hmm. It's they're they're in the forefront. Those clients, they're they're selling the goods. Yeah. Um, but we're partnering on the backside to get all the printing done and to do it at a really high level. Mm. So um, that's been amazing. Uh, we. The bills, we we had we had a lot rolling for us then, but then when the bills did so well, um, the bills kind of became our economic stimulus. Like we didn't need yeah. the government to come in and give us a plan. It was like, a huge blessing. It was it was a huge blessing, and I literally have told people like the bills were our economic stimulus, and as they kept winning, hmm. we didn't have to worry about anything. We just kept printing, hmm. um, and it was great. It was amazing. Um, we worked really hard. One of our one of our customers had the news come in um, and film. To film us producing their goods. And that was fun because I was wearing bright neon whatever <laughs> and for the news when they showed up. So that that cracked me. I had no idea. That's what made it fun. That was, it was awesome. <laughs> and you actually got the most play on the You were on the I most, know. I couldn't right? believe it. And I had a little bit of ink on the side of my hand. So yeah. that was what was even funnier. It was good. But, um, <laughs> you know, we're... The, God, God has like brought us through and we don't know what, we don't know what tomorrow brings, right. but, um, you know, we're just, we're just continuing to try to push forward. What, what would you say you, the biggest lesson that God taught you in 2020? 
really it's, it was a it was a reminder that we can just trust him hmm. um, there was so much unknown so much doubt so much of it like I said so much of our industry got decimated yeah um, there were people that that benefited from being able to stay open hmm. and we we try to run very slim in terms of um, really efficient with our money yeah and we try to live very much in in our means in our home life mm-hmm. and it allowed us to make it through and um know good decision in the past led us to being able to make it through this stuff mm. and as we come out of it the goal is to just come out of it with smart growth mm. sounds good well as as we're finishing up how can people find you and wingfoot screen printing uh it's not easy we'll put it that way <laughs> um so we have a website wingfootscreenprinting.com w-i-n-g-e-d we'll put it in the show notes screenprinting.com um and really that's it there's not a lot there there's a it's basically a way to contact us. Yeah. Um, it looks it looks semi professional, and you can get a contact <laughs> to, to, to reach out to us, yeah. whether it's by email or by phone. Um, you know, try to if it's a phone, try to do it during business hours. I'm telling you guys right now, just call them. Call them if it's eight <laughs> to four. That's the move. That's, that's, <laughs> we get we get stuff done. Um, and then we started an Instagram when COVID started. Yeah, I love it. It's good. We haven't been back on it in a couple months because we've just been busting. Yeah. Um, but we'll get back on that. You can. We're at Winged Foot SP on Instagram. Yeah, we'll put that. Um, that you can see too. some, you know, some shots of the shop and stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll throw up a little, a little video. Of Noah every once in a while. <laughs> a br- brief screen time. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, we'll we'll have that out there. So just as we finish up, Eric, thanks for joining me today. This is this has been fun. Kind of seeing a difference. Like, it's great. I mean, this is. I mean, this is normal to me, but. People get to experience you at a different level, which yeah. is cool. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's all about people, right? Yeah, I mean, it, and I think that's your message from today. So, yeah. guys, as we finish up, do you have any final thoughts and just words of encouragement for our listeners? I just, at, at the end of the day, it's um, our our faith and how we treat people. Um, I always say, like, in, in men's groups, and walk, walk your faith whether you're alone or you're in front of people and walk it the same way. Um, I tend to, I tend to be a little bit extra fun loving sometimes. Um, but I try to be that everywhere I'm at and I'm not going to, you know, obviously if I need to be in a, in a position that like I'm a, I'm a board member in my village. Right. During a board meeting, I'm a little fun loving. You're not quite mayor too by you. I'm just deputy mayor. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, but like, Mm. honestly, the time and a place for integrity is always. Right. Um, And for me as a man um, and men, young boys out there listening, walk your private life like you would your public, your public life. Um, and nice. though, I mean, we had a conversation about that a few weeks ago, yeah. right? But yeah, it's, it's walk, walk your, walk your life with integrity, whether someone's looking or not. Mm. And, yeah. and your integrity is not the integrity that you've learned from the world or learned from your buddy, your integrity that you should be walking is God's integrity. Right. And, um, you know, if you do that, he's going to bless you, whether it's with provision 
vision or in terms of monetary, sure. but I think it's walking and living a great life that keeps you from a lot of pain and a lot of this, the pain that sin brings with it. Mm. Um, it saves you from all that stuff. That's good. Well, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Well, thanks Eric for, for joining me today. I know Bjorn, you weren't with me on this one, sadly. Yeah, I said I missed it. <laughs> no, yeah, it was still fun though, but you're here for the reflection. Here I am. <laughs> so what did you think of today's episode? Yeah, no, it was, it was fun to, to listen back, uh, just to hear you talking with with Eric and you know I love the relationship you guys have and working together over there on a couple days a week and just hearing Chubai's story it you know it's it's powerful like he's he's really gone through gone through a lot and he's learned a lot and he's got a lot of advice and and I loved what he's talking about sort of near near the beginning of the episode about motivation and about how leaders motivate their groups teams followers however you want to call it sure um and we specifically saw that with him, with his long distance coach, about how, you know, long distance coach was kind of like, you're never going to make it. And it was kind of a jerk, as Eric was saying. And he was kind of like, that was the motivation that he needed. Yeah. And, you know, did the coach mean for it to be the motivation that pushes him? Like, no, he probably didn't. He's sure. probably just saying, you're an idiot and you're and you're not going to go anywhere. And I need to tell you this, but <laughs> it, it worked. Um, right. But I think that's something that's so important for, for leaders in whether it's as a coach or whether it's in any other area. It's how do you motivate your followers? Mm. And not just asking that question, but asking for each follower individually, because everyone's different of how are they going to be motivated? And some people are motivated intrinsically, some extrinsically, some are motivated through encouragement, through words of affirmation, some are encouraged by, you know, whatever else. But knowing that as a leader and recognizing that will be able to set you up so that you can lead them well. So what about you, Noel? What was some of your reflection? Yeah, I, I had a ton of fun doing this and it was in person too. So I was at the shop. So the sound wasn't the greatest with it, but I still had a ton of fun just talking with Eric and hearing his story. And that's how he is on like when we were, when we work together and when we don't, like he's just the same guy all around. And I think my biggest takeaway, even with this sports and clothing series that we capped off is all three, really all four of the men, because your cousins are twins. The word that comes to mind with all three of them is integrity. Mm. And taking the one word brand, taking the one word brand, (laughs) keeping it going. But yeah, I I think Eric, that's how he leads. And he leads with integrity. Mm. And that's what I love. And he wants one of the things that I really took away was walk your faith like you're alone, or whether you're alone or with people. Mm, That's good. And having that that mindset of God's watching whatever we're doing behind the scenes or in front of the scenes. I'm going through a devotional right now and one of the things that it highlights is how are you what is your prayer life Mm. and for me it's a it's a simple question of are you praying in public so people can see you you can they can hear your prayers and be like oh he's praying he's doing the good thing is that how your prayer life is focused or is your prayer life more behind the closed doors Mm. where it matters most where god you're having that relationship with christ and it's intentional and I, I think for me, that's that's why I really took away from Eric is it, 
being consistent on and off. That's what I've really enjoyed. So it was a really good conversation, and I had a ton of fun doing it. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to, to interview Eric and hear a little bit of his story. It was good. And that concludes our sports and clothing series. I highly recommend, if you haven't already, go check out our previous episodes with the King Brothers, Josh Lane, and obviously we you listened to Eric Chubai today, but all three of those guys, I think of one word that comes to mind with all three of them, and that's integrity. They lead well, and they lead with integrity in the sports, faith, and the clothing industry. They're three legit guys, and I highly recommend, go check out their stuff. And if you guys need anything apparel-wise, those are the guys to get it from. And next week, everybody, Bjorn and I are back together, except Bjorn is in the hot seat, and I'm interviewing him. You guys are going to hear his sports and faith journey and what God has taught him in the midst of this pandemic, uh, his soccer journey, and why he's in sports ministry. You guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. It's coming fresh off the grill, so no excerpt this week, but you guys are getting a fresh episode next week. We look forward to you tuning in next week. God bless. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 